Nature's Garden of Naples is where health meets happiness. For over 40 years, Nature's Garden has been an anchor in the community, locally and now online. Step inside our store and discover an extensive inventory of carefully curated vitamin supplements. From quality brands to health gadgets and holistic remedies, we've got you covered. Visit Nature's Garden of Naples at ngvitamins.com. That's Nature's Garden of Naples, where health meets happiness. Welcome to Holistic Health Heroes, a podcast to help you become your own health advocate and to meet some heroes making a difference in the natural products industry. Let's get started. So I'm here today to bust some myths about salt. I'm going to shatter them because I'm just tired of people thinking that table salt is okay. It's not. And I'm sure some people have heard that Celtic sea salt or pink Himalayan salt are supposed to be better, but they just think they're fancy salts. And they don't really understand that without enough salt in your diet, you could die. The truth is there are health benefits to salt but you need to know a little bit more about the whole story. So myth number one, salt causes dehydration. Maybe you've heard of this. It's actually true that dehydration is more likely to occur when sodium intake is really low because sodium helps us maintain our proper hydration levels in the body. And salt helps us balance fluids and prevents this water loss that happens all the time as part of natural function. Myth number two, Maybe you've heard of it. Salt causes high blood pressure. Well, we're going to get into that today in this episode. It's basically what the whole episode is about. That is actually false. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So in this episode, I want to cover a few things. One is historical uses of salt. You know, I always liked to look at the big picture a little bit and enjoy history. So I include a little, little bit of notes on the history. Number two, The difference between table salt and these quality salts, that's how I'm characterizing them. Uh, Number three, the downside of salt that you're probably aware of. We're going to review some of those things that are out there that talk about why salt is quote unquote bad, but also the benefits of salt, of the quality salt. And then the health hero I'm featuring on this episode is an author named Dr. James D. Nicolantonio. He published a book called The Salt Fix in 2020, and that's the book that I'm referencing and getting a lot of my information from, and I'll tell you more about him later. Let's dive into the history a little bit, shall we? Historically, humans discovered salt, and they found out pretty quickly that salt was good for food preservation because salt can inhibit the growth of bacteria and molds. It helps to prevent food from spoiling, and so you could, you know, transport your food easier. You could have food for longer periods of time with salt. It it makes me kind of think back to my time in Spain on study abroad where I was introduced to jamón serrano or salt cured ham, which is still very popular and associated with Spain today. So number two, salt was actually used as an economic value. It was used in trade. So throughout history, it was a form of currency and was used in bartering. They even called it white gold due to its economic importance. Number three, as we probably know about it and it's used today, is with flavor enhancement, right? You know, add a little salt, you need to bring out the flavor in whatever it is that you're cooking. 
So salt has been used for a long, long time, thousands of upon thousands of years to enhance the flavor of food, it makes our food taste better, it's a staple in cuisines from around the world. It helps bring out the flavor of other ingredients too. It sort of melds all the things together. Mm, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. And number four, it has nutritional benefits. Salt contains essential minerals, I should say the good salt does. It plays a crucial role in uh, regulating our fluid balance. It helps with our nerve function. It helps with our muscle contraction and a lot of other things too. Health and medicine. You might even still use salt water today. Salt water gargle is often a go-to when you have a sore throat and it's still a good uh, use of salt and saline solution for my contacts. I've been using that forever, right? So we use salt in a variety of different medical uses. They often used it to treat wounds and disinfect surfaces. So yeah, salt has historically had a lot of great uses. Now, moving on to the difference between table salt and what I, I call high-quality salt. So I remember from my studies in the Nutritional Therapy Association when I was getting my certification, my big takeaway about salt was that the reason table salt is bad for you is that it's isolated sodium chloride, meaning it's stripped of the other minerals that it's supposed to have. And when it gets stripped of those minerals, it is highly processed, highly refined, when it's being processed into table salt, it's dried at over 1200 degrees Fahrenheit. And so the high heat alters this natural structure of the salt, of what it's supposed to be. So you're going to get things like calcium carbonate, magnesium carbonate, aluminum hydroxide that are often added into that table salt while it's being refined and processed to improve what's called its pourability. So, you know, so it doesn't get caked together. So these anti-caking agents are added and that's what's making the table salt bad for us. The other high quality salt, as I call it, the Celtic sea salts of the world, the pink Himalayan salts, the reason those are good for us is because they have trace minerals. So Celtic sea salt is harvested from evaporated seawater. It's a high quality salt that contains something like 60 trace minerals. So that combination is making it the natural solution, I guess you could call it, that makes it healthy for our body. It's something our body actually craves. The pink Himalayan salt too, the reason that's good is it's minimally processed. It's hand mined, so taken by people from the mine, hand washed, so it's handled with you know human hands. It's not being uh, at, having a lot of additives. And it's said that pink Himalayan salt contains like upwards of 80 trace minerals. So both of these types of salts are good for micronutrients. They're good for your body because if you want your body to function properly, you need the healthy salt. You need the one that's complete with the, all the natural elements and free of pollutants. So now about the downside, the very well-known, I suppose, downside about salt, the things you've been warned about, the things that are just sort of in the air. So you probably already know that the common mindset about salt, and I'm, I'm talking about table salt now, is that there's, you know, so, oh, it's high sodium content, you know, excessive sodium is going to lead to health issues like um, the fluid imbalance in the body or hypertension. Oh no, you don't want high blood pressure. Don't eat too much salt. Uh, that's sort of in the air. We just, we feel like we just know that society accepts that as the rule. One of the most significant concerns is that we're thinking that it's raising blood pressure. 
which they say can lead to hypertension, which is a major risk factor for heart disease, stroke, and kidney problems. Another thing that salt, or I'll say table salt, is associated with is cardiovascular disease. They say elevated blood pressure caused by excessive sodium can damage arteries, leading to atherosclerosis, kidney function, excessive Salt is thought to strain the kidneys, potentially leading to kidney problems or like edema. Again, back to that fluid retention, consuming too much salt, they say, can cause the body to retain excess water, leading to edema. And this is when the swelling of body tissues happen. You don't want that. But what about the lesser known benefits? So just a couple of the benefits about salt are that it helps balance your electrolytes. It actually helps you stay hydrated and iodine can often be associated with, you know, getting a healthy amount of iodine in your diet. So electrolytes, why do we need those? Well, we need electrolytes for proper nerve and muscle function, as well as regulating blood pressure and fluid balance. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can drink tons and tons of water, but if you're not getting electrolytes, you might not be absorbing it, and then there you're not really being hydrated. So hydration, again, salt is needed to maintain proper hydration levels in the body, and I'll say a little bit more about this later when I talk about our health hero for this episode. And if you have iodized salt, which is by the way, essential for thyroid function, you know, you can get that from certain types of iodized salt, iodine from iodized salt. Okay, so now about this health hero, I found this um, author by doing a little searching and finding that he was interviewed by Dr. Mark Hyman on his podcast a couple of different times, so I listened to those, and then I went on to get his book, and the book is called The Salt Fix. Again, his name is Dr. James DeNicolantonio. He's a leading cardiovascular research scientist. He has reviewed more than 500 publications to unravel the impact of salt on blood pressure and heart disease. So he says, now this is me kind of giving you some synopsis of what I learned from listening to the book. And that is that number one, he said, low salt diet is miserable and dangerous. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be miserable and I don't want to put myself in danger. So that really caught my attention. He goes on to say that a low salt diet puts stress on our organs. And one thing I really liked about his Um, you know, giving a visual, so to speak, in explaining all of this is that he talks about the salt thermostat. So our body, according to this author, has a salt thermostat and it needs regulating. And that makes it kind of a visual. You can think about your thermostat you use in your home and how it gets too cold or it gets too hot and how you need to have it in a proper balance. So think about that analogy when you think about salt. Another thing he brought up, and I was thinking of it too, right before I heard it come up in the book, I was like, I wonder about salt licks, like for animals. Because I remember growing up on a farm that we had salt licks. So we put the salt lick out for the cows or whatever. And I know they do that with wild animals too, like deer and things. Why do they do that? Well, animals need salt as well. It helps them maintain the proper hydration levels, just like us. It's good for bone development, muscle growth, reproductive health and just overall health. So we're giving salt and minerals uh, to our animals. Why is that? It can't be all bad, right? Just raises the question to kind of dig a little deeper and get the whole story. So the body will fight salt restriction with all its might. Again, that's another little note I took from this book. So your body is craving salt. And if you don't give it what it needs to survive and thrive, it's going to make you want other things. One thing he 
point out about wanting those other things is that the dark side of the low salt diet is this body reward system. So we have a reward system. We're sort of training our body with the way we eat, the way we behave, the choices we make. And if you don't have enough salt in your diet, enough sodium, you're going to crave it. It's a survival mechanism. Your body is going to be craving things. And guess what that does? Hmm. Not good. It's not good. So (laughs) what that does is it primes our brain for other addictive substances like sugar and even hardcore drugs, he said. That was his characterization. I don't know if he said hardcore, honestly, but he did say drugs. (laughs) And that caught my eye. I was like, what? Okay. Now on to busting this myth. I'll try to recap it as best I can. Of course, I would recommend reading the book if that interests you. My goal here is to just kind of highlight these daily topics that we run into that have a lot of misunderstanding around them, that this is like knowledge from way back and things are just not getting out to people to be updated. So when there's something new that comes out and is discovered, I want to talk about it and share about it a little bit. So He goes on to say in the book, for more than 40 years, the thought process was that consuming salt increases blood pressure, right? You can probably relate. Leading to chronic high blood pressure, which also leads to a whole host of health problems. But it turns out there was never any sound scientific evidence to support this idea. So here we go. Bust the myth. This is based on the salt blood pressure hypothesis, as he calls it. I don't know if that's a universal name or what, but he's pointing out the salt blood pressure hypothesis and how inaccurate that is. So the whole idea here with this hypothesis is that eating higher levels of dietary salt meant high blood pressure, but that's not the full story. It's an oversimplification. The real story is a little bit more complex. And of course, you know how our memory works. We don't remember the complexities. We remember the headlines. So here we are all acting as if that headline is true some, I don't know how many years later, and you know since the 70s, right? So it's just false information that people are making their daily decisions on. So it's really important to share, share, share this book and this idea. And you, you decide what works for you, obviously, but it's good to know when updates happen. He talks about this a little in the book about your blood pressure and how it's measured, right? You may know this from going to the doctor and getting your blood pressure measured. It's measured in two ways. The top number is the systolic And that's when your arteries are contracting. And the bottom number is the diastolic, which is when the pressure from your arteries is released or or relaxed, right? So that that might be your number that you have in your mind right now. You start talking about blood pressure. You're like, oh, I know my blood pressure. Well, there's just more to the story. So here's a few more things he points out. So the theory goes that when we eat salt, we get thirsty. We Therefore, we drink more water. And in this hypothesis, excess salt causes the body to hold on to that increased water. That results in increased blood volume, which then leads to high blood pressure. And back in the day when this theory was put out there, they said, you know, it made sense for a little while. There was some evidence to support it, but because correlation does not equal causation, meaning just because there's a correlated event that happens doesn't mean that it's directly caused from that thing that happened. That's why they later found that it's not true. But because of human beings being what we are, we have confirmation bias. And then people get vested interest in tying their reputation, tying their income, tying whatever to their theory. They 
just cannot accept that it might be wrong. So things tend to get ignored and people are really unwilling to admit that they were wrong. So as he says in the book, here they've been telling us to cut salt for 15 years. It's become ingrained, it's become accepted, but we now know, again, this is his research, his findings, is that he says, quote, when we cut our salt intake, blood pressure may go down, but it also may go up. In fact, people with normal blood pressure who cut their salt intake are equally as likely to see an increase in blood pressure as a reduction in blood pressure. What? It could be the same? So that just doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold truth anymore if that's the case, if that's the finding. So with new evidence in this book, his The Salt Fix, he points out that too little salt in our diet can make you crave sugar and refined carbohydrates. So refined carbohydrates being things like breads and pastas, things that turn into sugar right away when you eat them. Too little salt in the diet can send the body into a semi-starvation mode where it's just yearning for more, more, more food. It's not satisfied. It can lead to then weight gain and insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease and chronic kidney disease and increased blood pressure and heart rate. That's when you have too little salt, he points out. So isn't that interesting? That is a myth, the main myth that is busted in this book, The Salt Fix. I found it really interesting. Um, I have yet to finish the whole entire book, to be honest with you. I was really spot checking it for um, things I could include in the podcast, but I will listen to the book, mark my words. I will listen to the whole thing because I find it really fascinating and really good to know when there's this sort of accepted idea that's actually later been proven false, but no one got the memo. That is my mission here is to sort of share what I've learned, share what's out there. It's certainly not a prescription for health for anyone of do this, do that. You have to, you know, if there's one thing that I learned from the nutritional studies that I did is that nutrition is bio-individual. What's going on in your body is individual and unique to you. And it's important to check on with your healthcare practitioners on big moves that you might make, but have the knowledge, be informed, be educated so you can ask better questions and get better answers. So one last thing I thought I would mention um, in the book, he talks a little bit at the end about some supplements you could consider that can help you lose weight because it's going to help you reduce hunger. It's going to help you with your metabolism and things like that, help you burn fat because He's really tying this salt idea to, you know, the real enemy is sugar, not salt. We've been, that's a misnomer, mis, mis, we've been misinformed about that. So the supplements he recommends to help you overcome your sugar cravings, because you're going to have sugar cravings if you don't get enough salt, is number one, L-carnitine, number two, glycine, and number three, the EPA, DHA, or, or fish oil. So L-carnitine can help you reduce hunger. He says 1,000 milligrams a day, two to three times a day. So that's a fair bit of L-carnitine in my eyes. Glycine is the smallest of the amino acids, which help to mitigate me metabolic harms of sugar. And fish oil, you probably know a lot of great things about fish oil, but maybe you didn't know that it also can help you burn fat. So if you restrict your salt, it'll likely cause you to want to eat more food. That's what he's saying. So to get the salt the body craves, it's going to 
you know, make you want to eat two to three times as much food. So therefore, you know, you're restricting your salt, you're eating more, and you're not getting the nutrients that you need from the salt, the micronutrients that go along with it, the minerals that are essential for optimal health. So he suggests a couple of supplements. There may be more, but I thought I would just mention a few. I'll include a couple of links that you can consider from Nature's Garden if you'd like. But for now, add on the salt, the healthy kind that is, avoid table salt, and here's to you reaching your optimal level of health. That's all I have to say about that. So until next time. Thanks so much for joining us on the Holistic Health Heroes podcast. For all your supplement needs, visit ngvitamins.com. Be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice so you never miss an episode. And hey, if you enjoyed the show, share your review on iTunes or just tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. Until next time.